a book that had a huge impact at its inception and is still gaining cultural relevance two decades later. Welcome everyone to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Karen and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to dive deeper into the books that they're investigating to get those sweet, tasty reviews, the juices, all of the meat that you can find within these books. And today it is a fun one. We are definitely diving deep into something and not just in the physical sense, but in the metaphysical sense. We have Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. So this book was published in 1992, was created, originated, as all good things are, prime example being me. And this is a 470-page book, so it's a fairly hefty one. And like I said, it is gaining cultural relevance with the idea of the metaverse, which was one of the, the big things that was promoted in this book. It's a dystopian USA where technology is way more advanced, but life is significantly deeper, darker, and harder. Um, so the book basically centers around this guy, a hero called Hero. So you know he's the good guy because his name is literally Hero Protagonist. And a girl called YT. And so basically they are trying to save the world from this uh, company slash man that is trying to infect a virus to to spread out to everyone and essentially control their minds in a way. So it is a somewhat sci-fi type of book because they have lots of things related to technology. So this is, you know, things like VR, things like the metaverse, which I'll get onto shortly. Um, there are all sorts of tech that is really, really cool, but it's also got this weird sense where people are, you know, much more aggressive to each other. There's violence everywhere uh, and they have to go through their physical world in the USA to um, go onto this big raft and essentially stop the the madman, the the person taking over and spreading this virus to everyone. And they also have to fight in the the metaverse in in this sort of constructed reality that has has been made. So the book itself and and the author Neil Stevenson are, are pretty fascinating. The inception of it, I guess, was meant to be as a graphic novel. So. He had originally planned this with an artist and they were going to uh, make this book a sort of comic book type style thing um, But and doing this on the actual computers. Now, remember, this was birthed in 1992, so computers weren't super good back then. The internet wasn't around and they were trying to create this thing and basically couldn't get it created uh, in the manner that they wanted and so he just wrote a book instead. And this is just a deep dive into Neil Stevenson's, I guess, you know, preoccupations, the things that he loves, because in this book, you'll find history, linguistics, anthropology, archaeology, religion, computer science, politics, cryptography, memetics, and philosophy. Um, so says on <laughs> the Wikipedia page. And it is true because all of these things are, are contained within the book. It has cultural relevance because of the things that it birthed. So one is the uh, he coined Avatar. So this is saying the physical body, I guess, the the constructed reality of a body in the whatever it is in the game or in the in the metaverse or wherever that is going to be called an Avatar. And he was, if not the guy who coined it, he was sort of the one who popularized that that term. Uh, distributed republics. So this is ideas that the USA is 
not one country anymore and it's split into these little franchises everywhere so you would have the mafia then you would have uh, i think it was uh, ng's um uh, hong kong these these small little republics and all of these different areas where you're safe in this area because it's guarded by these the rat things or by people or however you you want to look at it so the book has just many different aspects and we'll get onto the main theme now, which is the metaverse. So there's a very culturally relevant one with uh, Facebook changing its name to, to meta in, in honor of the metaverse. So uh, the metaverse, is it better than reality? And what is it? So in the book, uh, we're treated to this world where he will, uh, people will put on these headsets, VR headsets, essentially, and go into the metaverse. And so this is a online technological world where people can go in and it has things like the street, which is uh, a big 100 meter wide road where people can walk up and down on it. And there is a just shops and buildings and apartments and all sort of stuff on on the side of the street. And then it, I think, believe branches down into other sort of sub networks and smaller streets and things like that. But there's this one street that just goes across the whole globe. And so they've created a a perfect spherical world. Uh, There was a bunch of numbers related to it because they're all sort of geeky. And so everything is in bits and bytes. So two, two to the power of two, two to the power of eight, you know, so 256. um, These sorts of numbers have a a special relevance uh, for for the people in the in the um, in the metaverse and for hackers, which is what Hero, the uh, the main character of the book, is uh, is. So they have this. He was the one who helped construct this world, and so he has somewhat uh, powers in this world because he can hack, he can create code, he can do all sorts of things. But there's the the street, so this main one. There's a, a monorail that goes around it very very rapidly. So this is a way of being able to transport yourself. Um, within this constructed world uh, there's a lot of inequality because people getting into the the metaverse have to sort of hook in with like a sort of like a fiber optic cable basically and so people not that many people in the world have access to fiber optics in in this world so you know it's sort of the rich people and then of the rich people there are even richer people who have the money to spend for good avatars, for for a good connection to get access into the the Black Sun, which is sort of the most exclusive hacker place in, in the metaverse, and and all sorts of things like that. It's it's somewhat blocky and weird. It's not super fleshed out. It definitely doesn't make the claim to be like reality. It's its own thing. Uh, you know, people can create avatars to look like whatever they want to look like. They can do all sorts of things and. I would also say it's not super fleshed out. It's not really stated specifically like people go in it to do trade or for entertainment or it seems to they, they, they go in for more entertainment slash educational purposes to be able to create connections and do things that you can't do in reality. Um, and the reason for this is uh, it's, it's sort of bad. <laughs> the real life reality is not, not so good. So that's the idea of the metaverse in the book. And I want to compare it to the perception maybe of what the metaverse will be nowadays because it seems to have gained so much cultural relevance. People are talking about it a lot. And when I think of what it will be nowadays or what maybe it, it being constructed in, in our reality, not in the snow crash reality, it seems to be a lot more focused on games so like the gaming aspect the the design the architectural design 
owning your own piece of land, the the crypto uh, money and, and sort of cryptocurrencies seems to be a, a large part of that. So it's sort of the trading aspect, the financial aspect. There's the social media portion, the the, the fame, the you know the the status points, the VR uh, aspect. So there's the actual technology and, and FOMO as well, which seems to be one of the big ones. It's like I need to get in right now, otherwise I'm going to miss out on owning a piece of land or being one of the first people into the into the metaverse. So I was trying to think, you know, what's is is there much of a difference between what is being constructed now and what was constructed in in this book? I I felt that there was, but I can't really articulate what it is because it, it seemed to me the the metaverse now is more just like a cool, fashionable thing. Um and and then I want to say, oh it wasn't that in in the in the book, but there was aspects of it as well. So yeah, maybe it does line up a, a bit more than what my initial reaction was um, with the comparison of the two. I guess the question gets to be, you know, will we use it in the sense that it was being used in the book, which was people would use it because it was better than reality. Their reality somewhat sucked. They were, uh, you know, poor, or there was just it was dangerous out in the real world. Uh, whereas you, you you could get cut up by swords and stuff in the metaverse and yeah, you just lose your avatar. You can't log back in for an hour or two. And then um, once your your sort of avatar has been cre- cremated in the, the dungeons, the the underworld of the, the metaverse, then you could sort of get back in. Um, and then I guess, you know, compare it to now. Well, are people getting into the metaverse because it's better than our current reality? I, I wouldn't particularly say that it's more because there's it's like a fun interesting thing will that continue though you know would people still be spending their whole lives somewhat in the metaverse like some people in the book do which they call gargoyles so even when they're walking around in reality they're somewhat tuned in because they still have aspects of the metaverse where they can get digital information appearing rapidly on their goggles and have you know a camera constantly viewing all the time every interaction that they're having and, and the going ons and whatnot. So uh, I think that might be one distinguishing point that in the book the metaverse was this sort of cool place, but you'd get it to escape. Whereas I don't know. I hope nowadays that people wouldn't be going into the metaverse to escape, more to add to their, their sort of lives that that we have now. But you know, who knows? The other point theme that I really wanted to bring up was language, the core of communication. And this one actually really surprised me because I I thought this book would be a sort of sci-fi techno book, you know, adventure. There's a, a hero called Hero. And it would it would sort of be, I guess, somewhat one-dimensional in a way. It's like, hey, look at this cool, crazy tech of how the world could be. But as I mentioned right at the start, there was all of these other aspects with anthropology, archaeology, religion, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And the the first the one that really interests me is language because I, I'm just sort of fascinated by languages anyway. And in the book there was the the virus, so I didn't particularly explain what what the virus was. And there was two aspects to it. There was the biological snow crash. So this was a drug that people could take, and after taking it, they would sort of begin to speak in tongues. They would sort of seem to lose their grip on reality a little bit and would start behaving oddly and bizarrely, almost in a religious type of manner. Um, and they would 
sort of find the the talking of languages and the the religious feeling to to become all consuming in a way so there was the the biological and then there was the digital version and this one was one where uh, where the name of the book comes from snow crash where if the screen of your computer or your device or your vr goggles or whatever it was uh, sort of blanked out or had a had a fit you would see snow crash which was just what would look like the the black and white pixelated screen where it's sort of fuzzy and and whatnot and if a someone was a programmer they would look at this and they would be infected by the virus as well through the the digital bits would enter into through their uh, optic nerve get into their brain and then they would behave as if they had taken the physical drug so it was very dangerous for for coders and i guess one of the the core aspects of the book was looking at okay why would why are they different why would someone who has a sort of different mind a different capability a different way of thinking i.e hackers and programmers and coders why would they then uh be influenced by this digital screen whereas uh, a normal person a normal person could could look at the same thing and and not experience that that same uh, effect from the the virus and this is where it gets into the questions of hardware hardware versus software so it sort of was laid out like this in the book you have the, the you're born and you have the human brain and this is the hardware so this is the the physical linkages and connections and and whatnot the 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 structure i guess of of something of of the brain you will then learn your language so this could be english it could be swahili it could be whatever language it is in the world that you want to insert and this would be the software almost so you're you're you've got the hardware and then it's like here's some language we're going to push it into that and it will reside in here and this is the thing that actually um, allows you to use the hardware to to be able to communicate to speak to do all of these different things and then the book was essentially asking okay but is is language software so uh, is it actually a a program just the ordered bits that goes into the hardware is, is this is language this or is language somewhat in the hardware itself and so this is actually a relates to a real life question um, of universalists versus uh, relativists so i'm going to jump to page 276 in the book because it somewhat explains this and of course the name uh, chomsky appears because he is definitely one of the sort of premier linguists of the of the of the 20th century and um there there was a lot of uh he he had a lot of interesting as, uh, ideas and aspects and influenced i guess how people think about languages and so um, I'm going to jump into here. So there was these two two aspects, the universalists and realists uh, and the relativists. So uh, yes, therefore, according to the universalists, French and English or any other languages must share certain traits that have their roots in the deep structures of the human brain. According, according to Chomskyan theory, the deep structures are innate components of the brain that enable it to carry out certain formal kinds of operations on strings of symbols. So et cetera, et cetera. Um, then the uh, universalists are saying, okay, there is something so deep inside um, that just can't, that it's, it's so deep inside the hardware that it's, it is the, the hardware itself. Like language is, is the hardware um, and it's not the, 
the bits and bobs that go in that that is sort of an aspect of it yes there are some differences between languages but the the main the core theme of language is so deep within in us that it, it's going to appear anyway and so this is why um the the virus i guess could could potentially spread to everyone but then there was the other aspect which is like no 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 the it's it's relative because the the programming the snow crash the biological virus is only affecting programmers so these are people who uh, think differently so they have software which almost has a bug in it in some way and then this is why the snow crash drug can come in and and through the optic nerve and, and mess them up so um, yeah, I, I just found the the whole debate on on those two sides was was quite fascinating, and uh, I didn't expect it um, within within the book itself. And then it got me thinking: is is coding actually a language? Um, you know, I'm I'm not a linguist, so I can't tell. But I would say probably yes. If you're if you're able to think in a different way and communicate, even though it's digitally, and and you're not particularly doing it with another person, you're not typing in c-sharp code to another person to talk there's usually a goal or an aim in mind i do imagine that if you spend enough time coding and and thinking of of how to structure things so you can get your computer to do whatever uh, or your phone to do this and have this pop up and then this action occur when this thing does uh, i I imagine that would somewhat be a like a uh, i guess a a different aspect of language and and being able to communicate it's not exactly the same as you know the classical languages of english spanish and russian and things like that but it is a language in a way just just not used for the purpose of communication with another person it's almost like communication with the the metaverse with the with the code itself so i'm going to jump into some observations and and takeaways um other downsides to learning languages uh this book actually got me thinking about that because i'd I'd always sort of assumed, oh, not not particularly. Um, yes, you have to put in tons of work and, and things like that, but would learning another language uh, actually become a detriment at some point because you could uh, be infected by a, a virus? You know, the book is kind of funny in that sense, but, you know, maybe it is possible. Maybe if there was a certain way to order information that everyone who spoke German would behave in a certain manner and, and have no capability of of stopping how they're you know if they had the conscious choice they wouldn't be able they, they would say no i don't want to do that but they they just get infected uh you know probably not but but still it's a it's a intriguing idea and um you know there's lots of other things benefits to learning languages being able to communicate with more people uh, you know helps in later life to keep your brain sharp. I think it reduces your chances of uh, getting Alzheimer's or dementia and things like that. But yeah, maybe uh, I should actually look out for some some ways where having another language, learning another language could be a, a detriment. There was lots of little touches in this book as well. So as you're going through, you, you'll see like he really, Neil Stevenson really thought about how it would actually be like to use the metaverse so yes you dive into this place and you've got your vr goggles on but he got surprised for example hero the the protagonist hero protagonist 
got surprised when a daemon, um, I believe that's how you say it, D-A-E-M-O-N, came in called the librarian and it came in too silently and so it sort of scared him because it was like, oh shit, like you just appeared right there. And so then he has to ask the this digital code, this this program to be like, hey, can you make some noise when you come in next time so you don't scare me? There's things like the ghost avatars. So if there's too many people, you can't have everyone physically bumping into each other and you can't see uh, on the street. So people will sort of turn into this ghostly shimmering thing. You'll still be a solid looking thing, but you can then move through people and, and actually interact in the world. You can have the height restriction. So people aren't allowed to be you know, a mile tall. They all have to have a an avatar, which is in the sort of somewhat, you know, normal human height range, the face rendering. There's all sorts of things where I was like, man, he must have spent a lot of time really thinking about how this metaverse would actually work. And, and it wasn't just a, oh, this would be a cool sort of thing. He actually practically thought about, hmm, if this, if this uh, technology was real, what would be the problems? What, what things would come up? And I really did appreciate that in the book. And funnily enough, the only thing I really wish was uh, it was longer. So there was uh, plenty of things happening in the book and I sort of came to the end and was like, God damn, man, if this was an extra 100, 200 pages, that would have been good. I, I wanted to know more about their, their interactions, the, the, like what the raft is, what would happen to the virus once they somewhat stopped it and uh yeah there was all sorts of cool things and and interesting fun characters like uh enzo the boss of the mafia and and all these sorts of things where i was like damn that's uh that's very cool and another point and this is from page 271 which just got me thinking it, it was moments like this which i was like damn he really knows his audience so um the, this is the start of chapter 36 and it says until a man is 25 he still thinks every so often that under the right circumstances he could be the baddest motherfucker in the world if i moved to a martial arts monastery in china and studied real hard for 10 years if my family was wiped out by colombian drug dealers and i swore myself to re- revenge if i got a fatal disease and had one year to live devoted it to wiping out street crime if i just dropped out and devoted my life to being bad <laughs> that's so true there's got to be every guy has got to imagine that at some point of you know playing fantasies in their head of how they could be the coolest or the best or or whatnot and you know i've had those exact ones thinking oh man if i just went to a monastery and and yeah got real good at martial arts that 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 would be the cool or you know if if everything i loved got wiped out i had no uh, strings or attachments in this world you know I'd be able to do these things because I just wouldn't give a fuck like all of this funny stuff. So there was moments like that in the book, which just really, really made me appreciate it. So in summary, if you like sci-fi and dystopian tales, this book is a very solid read. I do have a fondness for dystopian type ones myself. So uh, that's uh, an ex- explanation of why I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I read it, I wanted it for the cultural relevance, but was actually more intrigued by the linguistic stuff. So I did read it to understand what the metaverse was or his idea of it. But what I really enjoyed more was the the other parts of the book, the linguist, the, the idea of languages and programming, coding was, I, I found it really, really fascinating. Uh, it's a rather simple story in, in some ways. You know, it's it's about a hero called Hero. The, the plot line is, is not super... 
you know, complex. You can sort of tell that the characters, what they're going to do from the start. You know, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Uh, this is how they'll largely behave. But uh, I, d- I didn't think this was a... I, th- I thought it was like a nice casing for all of the cooler ideas. So there's the ideas of language, of the metaverse and whatnot. So I'm glad that the storyline itself was, for me, seemed rather simple, a straightforward narrative and tale. But the world he created was the the really interesting aspects and uh, it got to showcase that. So overall, I'm going to give Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson a 7.5 out of 10. A decent, decent book and definitely worth reading if you want to uh, gain up some cultural relevance of what is the metaverse and, and uh, things like that. And so that is it for today, my mere modelites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on Snow Crash, on hero protagonist, on the uh, virus that is contained within the book, on the metaverse, all of these things? I would love to know them. The best way to do that is to send a boostergram. So this is a value for value podcast. So if you have enjoyed this this episode, and I assume you have if you're listening all the way to this point, uh, I would appreciate if you could show some value back to me by sending through a, a micropayment, uh, you know, whilst listening to this, you can send uh, mini uh, small payments worth of Satoshis through. And also if you really want to interact and, um, you know, sort of be part of the podcast as well to send through a boostergram, I really would appreciate that. Go to newpodcastapps.com and, and try one of the, the new ones there. I would recommend one called Fountain. It's pretty good. You can find it on whatever device you're using. And other than that, I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the metaverse. Kyron out.